Welcome to Marketing with Walker and Grimm, the show about marketing and advertising specifically targeted for those of us in central Pennsylvania. I'm John Walker, and when I'm not doing podcasts, I serve as the digital marketing director here at LNP Media Group. And I'm Marcus Grimm, I'm the vice president of market growth and innovation over at Benchmark Construction. And hey, welcome to this very, very special episode of the podcast. Yes, welcome. And today I'm very excited to introduce our guest. <laughs> you're, you're so excited. And listen, even though I know most people will be listening to this on demand, I'm just going to have too much fun with this because we have a guest and uh, he is actually wearing his French soccer jersey. And uh, uh, and it's amazing because I believe that France is playing in the, the semifinal World Cup game. John, I know our show is getting popular, but how in the world did you get a guy from the French team here while the game is literally being played at this moment? Well, um, you know, I wish I could say that he's actually on the team, and he may have been on the team when he was younger, but he's not currently on the team. He's actually a fan. He's a huge fan of, of the beloved uh, French team. Uh, which is playing yeah right now I'm sorry about that <laughs> so so that explains the the jersey um, and I guess also it's going to explain the accent well I'm a little bit disappointed that we don't have a pro soccer player here uh, I, I thought John that, that that you might be able to pull one off off the French squad but hey go for well France. as as our our show becomes more popular we may be able to do that later but we're not quite at that stage but let me introduce our guest I think you're going to be quite pleased because he's going to talk with us about something very relevant to business in Lancaster County right now. So our guest is Julian Godbarge, and Julian is founder of GEM Consulting Solutions in Lancaster. And GEM specializes in what Julian calls growth acceleration for companies. Growth acceleration, that does sound interesting. You know, John, you and I talk about marketing, and marketing is always about uh, growth, whether that be more profitable growth or just more growth in revenue, anything that accelerates business growth. So let's uh, let's get Julian on here, hear a little bit more about him. Uh, so Julian, what do you mean when when I first off welcome Julian well thank you hi Marcus hi John thanks for having me it's and great to have you growth acceleration what in the world does that even mean to you well you know I'm trying to solve a problem that I think a lot of our listeners business owners entrepreneurs CEOs are going to relate to they are so busy running their business they're working in their business and it is very challenging for them to find time to work on their business, to just improve their processes, improve their strategy, take a, time, take a little bit of, of a time out to have time to step away from the business, get the 10,000 foot view and work on it. You know, one of the things that, uh, that I heard recently, we, we, you know, I've been quoting Gary Vee a lot today, John, um, and, and you know- I noticed what, that. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, one of the things that Gary talks about is being the CEO of his organization is at the end of the day, sometimes he just feels like a fireman, that, that he's just putting out fire. So I, I guess what you're saying, Julian, is that you, you try to help people do more than just keeping up with that day to day. That's right. Uh, I'm trying to make sure that they take the time to bring their executive team, their key staff, their key team away from the office. Uh, to really think about the hard challenges and hard problems that are facing the organization so they can do some deep strategic work and really improve the organizations overall. Well, that sounds really valuable. Uh, so tell us a little bit of how, how you got into this and a little bit about your background. And I'm especially interested, it, it looks like you have experience uh, with mergers and acquisitions, which is something you don't run into every day. So I'm interested in your background. Now, now before he starts, John, I, I do have to tell you one of the interesting trivia 
of pieces about Julian. So this, this will actually go into his origin story. Sir, you've maintained that accent, but you've actually been here for quite a while. So, so let's start there. Uh, how, how, where are you from originally? Uh, but tell our audience how long you've been here. So I am French originally, uh, but I have lived in, um, in Lancaster County since 1999. I've mm. been in this country since 97, did some of my undergrad at Juniata College, master's at NC State in Raleigh, North Carolina, uh, and got married and moved to Lancaster in 99. Okay, yeah. Well, so w where does the experience in, in mergers and acquisitions come from and, and your interest and, and kind of skills around this growth acceleration? Um, I have spent most of my career at Woodstream Corporation, local manufacturer of consumer pr uh, products based in Lidditz, Pennsylvania. Uh, I was there for... And, and if you've been living under a rock, uh, Woodstream is uh, basically in the, in the business of, uh, I always call them the mousetrap people, but, but they, they do a, a lot of things in that space, right? Right. That, that's very fitting. The, the Victor brand of Mousetrap is the uh, kind of the keystone of the company. It's a brand that is 120 years old. It's celebrating its 120th birthday this year. Uh, it's always been made in the U.S., uh, in Lidditz, Pennsylvania. Uh, and I was fortunate to join the team in 2002. Uh, just about two years after a leveraged buyout where the management team uh, with some private equity investors had bought the company uh, in order to set it up and to use it as a platform to make acquisition in the lawn and garden industry. The, um, our CEO had anticipated that this industry was ripe for consolidation uh, and he was very right. So there was a multitude of businesses without clear succession plans where the founders were ready to retire, were looking to sell their business, who were able to acquire 16 of these in 15 years. So we were really growing very fast um, and both through acquisition as well as through organic growth, through strong branding, good account management, and a lot of new product development as well. 16 acquisitions in 15 years. That That's sounds like a lot of change. It's a lot, and it's especially a lot to integrate because that means you are constantly bringing new products, new people, new processes into your fold. And in order to be successful at that, you need to have a very strong process and to be a very disciplined team to uh, implement those post-merger integration plans. And that's part of what uh, GEM Consulting Solutions does. We have documented and really built a strong process that we can uh, teach and deploy with our clients so that uh, for the ones um, for, for whose an acquisition makes sense from a strategic standpoint, we can help them integrate the, uh, the target companies. Now, before we get into that process, I, I, I just, I, I, uh, I'm kind of a nerd about business history. And so I, I'm, I'm curious, when we talk about 16 acquisitions in 15 years or 15 acquisitions in 16 years, whatever it was, um, the thing that's interesting was did you guys have that process in place when you started buying all these companies? That was, was there a mentor that you learned all this from? Or were the first couple really rocky and you guys stepped back and said, whoa, we better figure this out? Uh, you know, I think a little bit of both. Uh, certainly the, the team that led the acquisition, both from upstream when it's about identifying the target, make sure you have, have the valuation right, put the financing together. We had some really strong professionals there. On the back end, on the integration, uh, we had very capable people who certainly, I think, if they were here, would agree that after they had done 16, were better than when they did <laughs> the first. Uh, but uh, it's, uh, it is true that they have 100% of the time, 
time delivered the integration plans on target with the budgeted synergies and savings that we had identified. So there are... Uh, they have a perfect record from that standpoint. That's actually pretty amazing. So it means we probably, uh, it, it sounds like, Julian, that you've taken some of these methodologies, you've got them on your website, and you're trying to apply them to, to other industries. So, you know, let's talk about some of those. You, you've got team cohesion, vision alignment, and uh, systems optimization. So, so let's start there. Uh, why those three? So. I think a good way to uh, to answer that is to borrow a metaphor from Jim Collins. Uh, a, a lot of our listeners are probably very familiar with this uh, famous business author. He compares a business to a bus, and he always says that the f most important thing is to make sure you have the right people on the bus. So you need to have the right people on your team, and you also have to make sure that you work as an effective team, uh, which a lot of people in businesses actually more work more like a group. Uh, and of course, there are some very strong differences in, in, um, in terms of, of trust and uh, in terms of the ability to handle productive conflict and to disagree and to work uh, through disagreements. And so that's why it starts there. It, it starts there. I work with CEOs, business owners, to make sure that they have a strong executive team and I help them make sure it's a very cohesive team, very healthy team. Uh, and then if we continue with this bus metaphor, and if you have the right people on the bus, uh, then you'd better have a good roadmap uh, so you know where to go, right? And so that's the strategic planning part of growth acceleration. We need to make sure we have uh, a, a model that is both simple enough to be used efficiently by small and mid-sized businesses, but that it's robust enough that it gets us the results that we're looking for. And that's, that's what I've put together in my growth acceleration module. Uh, so now we have a bus that has the right people, it's got a good map, it knows where it's going, while now the engines and all the other mechanical parts uh, have to be working and be in sync. And so that's systems optimization. Now, wh when, you put, when you use that metaphor, um, it sounds simple. Um, and if, if I'm listening to this, you know, might I say, is it really that complicated and why, why don't more businesses do that? Because it make what you just described makes so much sense. That's a very good question, John. Thanks, thanks for putting it this way. Because my growth ac uh, acceleration module is indeed simple, and I think complexity is the enemy of growth. And and what you see is that a lot of businesses are successful. They grow and in their process of generating growth and building value in their business, they also see a lot of complexity build up because they have more employees, more customers, more vendors, their competitors start to take notice, just things get more complicated. And by taking the time to step outside of their business, to work on the business instead of in it, uh, and by following a, a, a robust process, they get the ability to simplify their business and kind of get back to basics. Because indeed, uh, one way to look at it is that it's not that complicated. If you can keep it simple, you can get tremendous results. I want to talk a little bit about the, the systems optimization piece. Um, it sounds really, really interesting. That, you know, if you're acquiring one company and they have different systems in place that, than you do, that's a challenge. But I think those of us also see it sometimes inside our own companies. I mean, I see in, in construction all the time, you know, getting your project management software to speak to your accounting software um, sounds simple. Sounds like one line on, 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 the, on, the, on the agenda, let's do this. But there's a lot of complexities there. So, you know, that's, that's actually an interesting piece of systems optimization. And, and I'm curious, 
um, you know, Julian, you know, some, some thoughts or some processes, how you do that. And, and when I read into it, I automatically, I automatically think of technology. Do you think of it as technology or, or is it bigger than that? I think in, uh, in today's environment, technology plays a role in everything, right? If you're not leveraging all the technology available to you, you're, you're missing out. But certainly there is a lot more than IT uh, to systems optimization. Um, my role in systems optimization is to probe and to ask the right questions and to make sure that my client, who is the technical expert in their field, right, I am not, but they are, they have the opportunity to identify um, areas of opportunities for improvement. And I help them identify those opportunities. And then depending on their nature, I can either myself as a technician in sales and marketing alignment or in uh, uh, marketing for product and brand positionings for some some of those things that are really close to my background I can actually uh, step in and, and be the technical resource in many more when we talk about uh, lean manufacturing just-in-time inventory management or whatever the case might be then uh, I have a network of experts in the area who can come in and and uh, lend a hand for for those projects now, Julian, there's one thing about GEM Consulting that we haven't covered yet, and that is that you're a B Corp. Um, now, when I heard that, and I understand you've, you've gotten the B Corp certification just recently, um, I actually had to look up what is a B Corp, and here's what the John, John, I'm so I'm so glad you did that, because <laughs> there's two things I know about uh, B Corporations. There's more of them in Lancaster. I feel like I hear about a new one uh, every few weeks. And I've got no idea what, right. what they are. So well, and, and, and that's why that's part of the reason why I wanted Julian to come on the show, and, and I want to talk about that. But first, definition of a B Corp, uh, according to the internet. B Corps are for-profit companies. Congratulations on that part, Julian. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. They're for-profit companies certified by the nonprofit B Lab to meet rigorous standards of social and environmental performance, accountability, and transparency. Whoa. Nice. So, rigorous standards of social and environmental performance, accountability, and transparency, and yet they are for-profit companies. So fill in the, the gaps for us here. Um, why did you become a B Corp, and, and what significance does that have? So it, it all came out um, when I moved from uh, the rural part of Lancaster County to downtown Lancaster, and I enrolled my three children uh, into the school district of Lancaster. And uh, as we took a tour uh, before school started, we were explained that uh, the cafeteria served free lunches to all the students. I said, well, that's unusual. Why, you know, I, uh, I don't live in poverty. I was not expecting to get, that my kids would get a free lunch. And um, the staff explained to me that 90% of the students that are enrolled in the school district of Lancaster qualify for a free or reduced lunch. And therefore, the cost of administering a system to collect fees from the remaining 10% would just not make any economical sense. And it was actually more efficient to feed all the students for free. Interesting. Um, that certainly piqued my interest. 90% is a big number. Um, and by digging a little bit more, what you realize is that overall in Lancaster City, for a city that is striving, that has a vibrant downtown, great restaurants, and, and on and on and on, as we know and as we enjoy, uh, over 30% of the population lives in poverty. 
And um, I wanted to find a way to do my share to be active in that and, and to try to uh, fight poverty and to, it's of course, a very complicated issue. How do you help people get out of vicious circles? Um, and so there is a whole movement of people who think they can fight um, poverty and other other issues in society by harnessing the power of business for good. And that's exactly what B Corps are. So in my case, um, I have, of course, some regular clients, uh, but then I also devote a certain uh, portion of my time to pro bono work in which I work with is uh, social enterprise, which are other B Corp type companies that have a mission to, uh, to, to improve our society. I also work with nonprofits and with branches of government uh, free of charge. I also donate 5% of all my revenues to nonprofits in the area that have a mission to fight poverty. That is an excellent explanation. John, I feel like I feel like in two minutes I've gone from having yes. no idea to what these guys do. Well, it, and it's really intriguing because um, what, what I have seen uh, before I understood uh, what a B Corp is, is that if you want to have an impact um, on issues like poverty, you might gravitate towards starting a nonprofit to directly serve um, provide services or products to, uh, to address that problem. But what you're talking about is doing it as part of a for-profit organization that devotes some of its time and resources to addressing that problem. Is that a fair way of thinking about it? Yeah, I think it's a very fair way. Um, I think nonprofits are phenomenal. We have some amazing ones in Lancaster that we are fortunate to have. Uh, they're so, you know, unfortunately, their big weakness is their nonprofits. So they're, they're, a lot of times they have no revenue streams and they rely uh, on donations. And so not everybody can do that because the donors would be tapped out. So I think it's good that side, side by side with the nonprofits are now a multitude of um, social enterprises, B Corps, or some that are not necessarily yet B Corp certified, but that, have, that share the same philosophy to uh, enhance the, the strength of, of the movement. Now, how do you, how do you balance um, the time and resources that you devote to, you know, the traditional activities of a for-profit business, which are getting customers, providing services, generating revenue, with activities that you've just described that, that aren't going to uh, perhaps directly generate revenue? Uh, I do it carefully, uh, but it is a challenge. Uh, you, you might be surprised there, but it is a little easier to find pro bono clients than uh, than than paying ones. <laughs> <laughs> I, I can't imagine. <laughs> um, so. I um, I set up the rule that I would have at least uh, two pro bono missions going on at any given time, uh, but no more than four. Mm -hmm. uh, and so I'm holding myself to that. Uh, I'm at three right now, so uh, there is room for one more to start later this fall. Uh, but certainly uh, more, more than four would be uh, un unmanageable and would come at the detriment of one of the three bottom lines that a B Corp must have. It needs to be financially profitable, have a low impact on the environment, and benefit its, its environment, its uh, community. So, so John and I uh, were joking about this, um, but, you know, John, I don't know that I ever heard the word B Corp until two years ago, and now I feel like I hear it once a week. 
Um, is is this a Lancaster trend, Julian, or is it a nationwide trend? Uh, you know, what's going on and why? So it's definitely a global trend, uh, but Lancaster is uh, at the leading edge of it. Uh, I'm number 13. I'm the 13th B Corp uh, in Lancaster City. Uh, I know there are more that are working on gaining certification. And uh, I recently heard uh, a quote of Mayor Gray. It was actually in the column in the New York Times uh, by uh, Friedman last weekend that you probably read. It's mm-hmm. all over social media. And Mayor Gray was quoted in saying that he was, um, he was always very friendly to businesses because he understood how important a strong business community is for the health of the community. Uh, he also believed that businesses need to pay people a living wage and need to respect the environment. Well, that's pretty much what a B Corp is, right? So I think the success and the vitality that we've seen evolve in Lancaster over the last uh, 10, 15, 20 years uh, was really helped and encouraged by the B Corp mentality. And now it's got, it's found its name, it is coined a B Corp, and it continues to uh, really strive this way. Uh, the, the benefits to the community are obvious uh, and, and apparent. Um, I'm curious, though, be, because you are running a for-profit business, um, are there, uh, and, and I don't mean this in a bad way at all, but, but, but are, there, are there selfish benefits? Are there tax implications? Uh, you know, what, what, are, what, are, what are some of the, the less altruistic benefits that, that you might get from being a B Corp, if any? So there are no tax benefits. Uh, that is a question that I do get quite a bit. Uh, people will say, oh, B Corp, great, so you pay less taxes. Said, no, that's not a thing. Uh, mm-hmm. There is, I suspect, a little bit of a marketing cachet to the B Corp certification. Uh, I don't expect that people would hire a consulting firm uniquely because they're a B Corp. Uh, mm-hmm. But if it comes down to, you know, after having interviewed, uh, you know, let's say five candidates, they narrow it down to two and they really like both, maybe it gives you a little bit of an edge. Uh, but, you know, I think the, the short answer is that um, by, by being a B Corp, you really fully understand uh, what I used to read without fully believing. And that is, if you find a mission, if you find something that you're passionate about uh, and you work hard at it, uh, then good things will happen overall. Mm-hmm. And so by, um, by embracing that idea, I, I do believe that the financial health of the company will remain strong. Let me ask you this. So I, I have three children who are uh, either entering, have entered the workforce or will be entering the workforce soon. And one of the things that I see in that generation is a real... Uh, purpose-driven orientation. So they want to know that um, they are working in a place that gives them purpose. They they expect more from a job, frankly, than I think I expected from a job when I was their age. So y- you had just mentioned that it could give you a recruiting edge. So le- let me ask you, if you were talking to a 23, 24-year-old and you said, I want you to join my organization partially because of the values of that organization. What, w- what might that look like as the company grew? In other words, how would your B Corp as it grew and sort of blossomed around these values look different than maybe a business that isn't? I think it would help in twofold. I mean, one is that there is a 
a strong part of being a B Corp is the, the fair uh, split of the, uh, of the wealth that is created by the organization, right? So there are some self-imposed criteria of ratios of how much does the, highly, the, the most highly paid employee in the company make compared to the lowest, you know, and this kind of thing. So that in itself, I think, is, um, is something that would be appealing to potential employees. And, and um, I think you're absolutely correct to uh, mention that for somebody to get up in the morning and go to work knowing that they're going to be helping, um, let's say, you know, I'm working right now with the Nepali Spice Company, which uh, is a social enterprise founded by a refugee from Nepal where he's importing organic fair trade spices and uh, selling them or about to start selling them uh, through various channels. And he wants to direct a lot of his profits towards um, helping refugees, right? He also wants to hire refugees, tr uh, give them technical training and uh, pay them a living wage. So when, when you know that part of your time uh, is gonna be spent on this type of mission, uh, it certainly is a great source of motivation uh, and that, that, that is going to help you retain talent for sure. I want to ask a, a, a totally, I, I kind of want to flip the coin on this from, from the perspective of nonprofits. So theoretically, I, I'm thinking that if I'm a nonprofit today and I need a product or service um, prior to going to my proverbial yellow pages, Google, and, and, and looking into, into vendors, you know, knowing a B Corp that's out there that might uh, donate those services to me would, would, would be a benefit. So, so I'm just going to be hypothetical here for a moment. So let's say I'm a nonprofit and I'm looking for a new accounting firm. Um, uh, is, there, is there a clearinghouse where I can determine, oh, Ross Bueller Falk is a, is a B Corp, but Walls Group is not a, a B Corp, or, or vice versa? Uh, you know, how, how do these nonprofits find you guys, I guess is my question. Or, or is it just very organic right now? No, there is exactly what you're describing. Uh, B Lab is the nonprofit that um, issues the B Corp certification. And on their website is a portal that lists all the companies that are certified. And it's easily searchable by type of activities and, and, and that kind of thing. And, and you're new to this, but, but I am curious. Uh, is that how people found you, or were those more just organic relationships that you had in town? Uh, no, so far I've met all my clients through networking and mm -hmm. through a business relationship and some of the public speaking engagements that, that I've held. Outstanding. Uh, let me just jump in and, and make a quick uh, precision because you you mentioned you know some people might be looking for a B Corp for some pro bono services. Mm -hmm. There are a multitude of ways to become uh, a certified B Corp. Uh, they all rely on the same principles uh, of the triple bottom line, but not all B Corp do uh, pro bono work, for example. Oh, okay. Right? okay. So there are different ways uh, that, that you can qualify for that certification. Uh, for example, as a consultancy, if my work was principally, was mostly to, uh, to help entrepreneurs that have specific hurdles against them, uh, then that mission in itself, by nature, could qualify GEM Consulting as a B Corp. Okay, so that, that, that's actually a wonderful piece for, for, for me to understand, John. Maybe you got that. I didn't get that. So, so for instance, you're providing pro bono work, but that doesn't mean we, we know, for instance, we, we bounce into our, our buddy uh, uh, Peter Barber from Two Dudes Painting. That doesn't mean Two Dudes does free painting for nonprofits. You, 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 Probably not. Th there, there's a lot of different ways exactly to right. qualify. Did, did you catch that, John? Uh, that was a helpful clarification because <laughs> um, I, I didn't. But... Uh, 
coming back to one of the things you said, I think you said that there are 16 B Corps in Lancaster uh, County. He was 13. 13. Okay. He, he's 13. Oh, you're the How many do we have now? Wait, there's one. another one. Ding, ding. <laughs> and another one. All right, 13. That sounds like a lot for a market of this size. So my question is, do you think it's a lot? And, and why is Lancaster, uh, the fertile soil of Lancaster, growing all these B Corps? Yeah, I think there are two main reasons. One uh, is the general mentality and the general attitude of, um, of the business community in Lancaster that before there was such a thing as a B Corp, there were a lot of people who have uh, ran their business by taking good care of their employees and respecting the environment and being profitable. So it, I think it's a movement that's well ingrained here. Uh, the other is that we are very fortunate to have a nonprofit called Assets, and um, Assets does a lot of wonderful things in the business community. They, do, they have an incubator for social enterprises. They do some microfinancing, different things like that. One of their more recent initiatives is that they help companies become B Corp certified. So they help coach them and explain this is how it works, and they help navigate the website. And um, they have been instrumental uh, in helping me obtain the certification. Hmm. Let me let me go to a macro level, and I, I want to ask both of you this question. And this this was related to a book I just read, which uh, sort of traced uh, the the history of the American economy, late 20th century and 21st century. And what it said is it it, it noted that there were two kind of distinct forms of capitalism that we've seen in in our business community. The first was what they called managerial capitalism. It was basically about a a cadre of managers you know big companies in the 50s and 60s and 70s were full of managers and these managers tended to have lifetime employment these managers were a large portion of the white-collar community and when you looked at our business community it, it was really about this sort of uh, army of managers then capitalism switched to what they called shareholder capitalism and and it became much more a focus on the shareholder as the primary agent and beneficiary of of corporations no more lifetime employment CEOs rather than managing for their staff they manage for shareholders that you know that certainly has its limitations and you know when I look at uh, my kids and their generation I just have trouble picturing them saying, yeah, that's what I want, you know, right. <laughs> yeah, that sounds great. But when you describe what a B Corp does and that it sounds like it's much more purpose driven, could we be entering a stage where the, the sort of purpose driven capitalism becomes a bigger part of our business community? I, I certainly hope so. Um, I think that's the whole aspiration and ambition of B Lab and the B Corp movement is that business is a is a power that can be harnessed for good right and so uh, i think it will continue to expand absolutely in lancaster and beyond i think it's a really uh i, I think it's a really really fascinating model and and the reason i say that and john you and i have had conversations like this uh you know you and you and i you know we tend to be you know, not super savvy as far as whether the local nonprofit knows what it's doing accounting wise or IT wise. But boy, we talk about we talk about if their marketing's not as sharp as it would be. So and and to Julian's point, there's a lot of reasons why the best marketing director might not work for the local nonprofit. The budget may not be able to afford them. They may not have the sophisticated tools. 
And so the idea that, you know, that a local nonprofit could could turn to a B Corp, for instance, and perhaps get some savvy, more savvy marketing assistance and execute um, uh, more on their mission, which helps the mission, um, it, it's pretty cool. I, I well, it, I mean, just thinking, Julian, thinking about the your background and the talents that you bring, you know, having worked for a very successful, high-growth company, having uh, steered, helped to steer that organization through these mergers and acquisitions and grown the company, I mean, what a great set of skills to apply to social enterprise to apply to some of our community's toughest problems like poverty. I mean, that, that, that's very encouraging to, to think about. Yeah, it, it really is. You know, John, I'm, I'm, uh, as we come towards the end of this episode, I'm feeling kind of misty about Lancaster and, uh, you know, ding, ding, there's the, there's the ni- 19th B Corporation. <laughs> um, well, Ju- le- Julian, let me add, let's wrap it up with this. If you could tell the, the Lancaster community one thing about B Corp, your aspirations, uh, or just a message to the business community, what would that be? Um, I think I would close with a, a message to the business community at large, uh, and, and that is that you have to make time to work on your business. So some, some, some uh, companies are very successful at doing that on their own. They have the internal know-how and expertise to do that. And that's completely fine. Some might need to reach out for uh, additional help and, uh, and expertise. One way or another, you should not come to work and have your inbox and your phone calls dictate what you're going to do that day. You need a plan, and you don't have time to build the plan if you don't step out of your business to work on it instead of in it. I think that's very well said. And, and one other final question that I, I don't think we, we got into on this episode, Julian, but but uh, you, you know your business is fairly new, so I'm sure you've got a wide variety of clients. But but when you think about your own ideal customer, you know, um, you know, for those who are listening to the podcast, you know, you know, who does who who does Gem want to be working with these days? Is it manufacturers, distributors? You know, when you think of these these are the types of organizations um, aside from the nonprofits. You know, what 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 are you looking for? So my my background is in manufacturing and distribution as well as agri business, right? So I have a certain affinity with uh, with companies in those industries Mm -hmm. but really the the growth acceleration process i created is not industry specific Mm -hmm. it is more size specific size specific Uh, good it is harder for me to really help companies that don't have at least 20 employees okay so i'm looking at 20 to 250 employees uh, as far as sales typically that will translate as you know five to a hundred million dollars in sales uh, that's kind of the sweet spot where we're the most comfortable and we we can bring the best value. <laughs> John, I just got misty again because I love it when people can really identify their, their, their target audience. <laughs> well, <laughs> he, he, I think he's been applying some of his uh, processes to his own business. <laughs> that must He's be been it. eating his own dog food. Well, <laughs> hey, that brings us to the end of today's show um, because uh, Julian and I got to get out of here and watch the soccer game. But uh, th- this has been enlightening. John, you can stay here and do the next episode. All right. Well, uh, you've been listening to Marketing with Walker and Grant the show about marketing specifically for business in central Pennsylvania. To hear all our shows, subscribe at Google Play, iTunes, or visit us at lmpmediagroup.com. Thanks for listening, and Julian, we hope that uh, France uh, makes its way to the finals of the World Cup. 